Hey guys, and welcome back to the Casual Fight Fan Podcast. This is your host, JJ. And so today on this episode, we're going to be talking about the two cards that happened on Saturday night's fights. Um, There are two main cards, actually. One from Bellator and one from UFC. Um, I think both cards were very good. And uh, let's go into it then. So this was actually my very first time watching a Bellator card which sounds crazy because Bellator is actually becoming very big now, and I don't know why I haven't watched any of their fights before. Um, I only got into MMA very recently, though, to be honest. Um, I've been interested in probably MMA for over a year now, and I got into it probably like a lot of other people by listening to Joe Rogan talking about jiu-jitsu, MMA, kickboxing, various different styles, etc. But one of the things, and I think it's one of the biases that comes from listening to Joe Rogan, and especially his friend Brendan Schaub talking about MMA, is that you get sort of biased that UFC is the best, the most elite MMA organization on earth. Which I think it is, but that's not to say that there aren't any great fighters in Bellator or one or any of the other um, MMA leagues out there. The PFL is another one. So, you know, I go and I do some research on Bellator. Um, and I had previously seen fighters in Bellator. Um, very phenomenal point fighters like MVP. Uh, wrestlers like Ben Askren and strikers like Lima fight and... They're all very good fighters. So, as I got more involved in MMA, I became familiar with the players. So, listening to Josh Thompson and Big John McCarthy talk on their Weighing In podcast actually introduced me to Bellator. And I think if it wasn't listening to them, I probably wouldn't even have watched the card on Saturday, which it was a big card. So, I did my research. Um... AJ McKee, who's challenging for the featherweight title of Bellator. And looking at his record, it was very impressive. He has a 17-0 undefeated streak going into the fight. And he has a lot of interesting finishes. Um, his very last fight against Darian Caldwell, he finished it with a neck crank that I had never seen before. It looked almost like a guillotine from his back, but he had his arm looping around his opponent's armpit and uh, clasping it against the other arm in a sort of gable grip. But it looked like a guillotine, and as he arched his shoulders up, um, as he arched his shoulders downward into the mat and his hips up away from the ground, he was cranking the opponent in a sort of, in a fashion that's not dissimilar to the guillotine, but it's not an air choke. It seems more like a neck crank. So that was a submission that I'd never seen before, and I was very impressed by it. Uh, Previous to Darren Caldwell, he had an armbar finish over Derek Campos. That fight was also pretty impressive because he'd hurt his knee at the very beginning of the fight, and so he proceeded to get smashed uh, in the bottom of guard for a while, and somehow he ended up to... He managed to... Get control of the position, get into triangle, and finish the armbar from that triangle. 
So that shows you that in addition to his striking, he's also a very good jujitsu player off of his back, which is crazy because in this sort of MMA landscape, what most people do now from the guard is that they just start to rain punches and being the bottom of guard doesn't hold the advantage that it used to have in the early days of MMA when not a lot of people knew about jujitsu. And so that gives AJ all the more credit and shows that he's a fighter that's um, worthy of challenging for the title. He's definitely elite and up there. So going into his actual fight, AJ McKee versus Pitbull, it was, the actual finish was amazing. Um, he actually finished the fight, or he didn't finish the fight, but he hurt he hurt Pitbull with one of the combos that I like to use. It's the cross-step-in rear-kick combo. If you listen to our podcast, we actually analyzed this technique on the previous episode in our discussion of TJ Dillashaw. Now, while Dillashaw didn't throw too many of his combos during his fight with Sandhagen on UFC Fight Night, the cross-step-in rear-kick combo is one that he does use a lot. If you go back and watch TJ Dillashaw's fights with Hennen Barrow or Cody Garbrandt, that's something that he does a lot. He will throw the rear cross and step in, and at the same time, he'll throw the rear kick. And the effect that has is that it'll take away a tempo in between shots because usually the rhythm of um, throwing shots is that if you throw a shot from one side, you have to throw the alternating shot on the other side in order to get yourself back in position to throw the shot um, again if you want all of your shots to have power. But in this case, what AJ did was that he threw across sort of half-heartedly, not meant to injure, but only to serve as a decoy. And the pit bull bit on that. He brought his right hand down to block or parry the cross. And that left his face wide open for McKee to throw his rear kick, which landed like a baseball bat flush on his head. And that was the kick that dropped Pitbull down. Um, McKee followed that up with a flurry of punches. He caught a clean uppercut and I think a clean uh, lead hook before uh, Pitbull just fell to the ground and... You could see momentarily McKee was like celebrating, thinking he had finished the fight, but Mike Beltran, the referee, told him to keep on going, and that almost cost him the fight because it looked like Pibble was still going, kind of. He was dazed, obviously, but if McKee had a little less experience, the fight might have gone on, and he would have lost a very, very good chance at victory. But luckily, uh, McKee is very uh, good. He's good at finishing the fight, by getting Pitbull into a standing guillotine choke and finishing it from there. So, all in all, it was a very good fight, a very spectacular performance by AJ McKee, and he made history. He made history as the young lion to defeat Pitbull, who had been champion at that point now for probably close to 10 years. Um, Pitbull is still the lightweight champion at Bellator, and now AJ McKee is the new crowned featherweight king. Looking at the AJ McKee versus Pitbull fight, I saw a lot of similarities to the Aldo versus McGregor fight in the UFC. Now, um, listening to one of AJ McKee's interviews with one of the MMA media outlets, he was talking about how 
He wanted to become the first double champ in MMA history for a long, long time. And when Conor McGregor accomplished that feat back in 2016, he had, he went sort of like, oh gosh, darn it. And so that was something I didn't realize about McKee is that he's been in this game for a long, long time already, even though he's very young. And um, back when Conor was going on his tier, AJ was already um, performing impressively as well. And so he's probably from the same generation-ish as Conor. And it's, um, it's similar because Aldo was also one of the long reigning featherweight champions at the UFC. He'd been the inaugural featherweight champion, I believe. And no one had managed to usurp his throne until Conor McGregor came along. Now, this is the same thing with AJ McKee and Pitbull. Pitbull, having been champion ever since um, AJ entered the organization. But the one key difference is that McGregor was... he. I think McGregor won his fight most... Oh yeah, another similarity is that both fights ended very fast um, in the first round. Now, McGregor finished in like 14 seconds, which is crazy. But AJ also managed to finish the fight very quickly. It wasn't a long, drawn-out battle, which uh, I guess is a good thing. Now, the difference is that McGregor, I believe, won probably 60 to 70% of that fight. Some would even say 80 to 90% on mental warfare. In the months or in the weeks leading up to the fight, he had Aldo pressed up in press conferences. He was getting on Aldo's nerves. He was insulting him. He was taking away his dignity, and that visibly had an effect on Aldo. It put a lot of stress on Aldo, and Aldo, by the time he got into the cage, he was just pissed off at McGregor, and he charged at him, and unfortunately, he left an opening that allowed McGregor to throw in a left hook and finish the fight in 14 seconds. So AJ McKee, I, def- I feel like, definitely gives respect to Pitbull, and it'll be interesting to follow the rest of his career and see whether his trajectory is something similar to that of McGregor. Now, the fight, the way the fight turned out, it makes a lot of interesting fantasy matchups in the UFC and Bellator. Uh, listening to Josh Thompson on his Weighing In podcast, he talks about how he has Pitbull uh, winning over the current UFC featherweight champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. But he says that it'll be a hard fight for Pitbull if he's put up against uh, other top contending featherweights, such as Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Now, it will probably won't be likely that we'll ever see a cross um, cross cross-promotion fight, maybe a Bellator champ versus a UFC champ, unless one of the fighters decides to sign over to another organization. Now, um, we do have a precedent for that. Michael Chandler is somebody, he's a former Bellator lightweight champion who's moved over to the UFC, and he's showed very good, um, good performances. He defeated Dan Hooker in spectacular fashion, and then he challenged for the title fight, and he was dominating Oliveira um, in the first round until he got KO'd in the second round. But just from Chandler alone, we can see that the top Bellator fighters certainly can hold their own in the cage in the octagon against the UFC elite. 
And so it just leaves a lot of room for imagination, and it leads us to wonder how A.J. McKee or Patricio Pitbull will fare in the octagon against the top of the top at the UFC. Now, in the same night, uh, there was a UFC fight night card that featured Uriah Hall versus Sean Strickland. Now, this was also a very good fight. Sean Strickland came down and he put on a very dominant performance over Uriah Hall. Um, he came out strong with a very good jab and a crazy output in the first round, um, very clearly winning that round. And the pace was ridiculous because he was throwing a really good amount of punches and a lot of strikes. And you could tell it was very fast because in the subsequent rounds, Sean Strickland noticeably slowed down. Not tired, but he just wasn't throwing as many strikes. Um, even so, though, he performs very well in the rest of the fight. And he basically bullies Uriah, Uriah around in the cage and almost finished the fight in the third round. At one point, he had Uriah super hurt, uh, but he opted to go for the takedown instead of keeping the stand-up, which to a lot of fans might seem strange because if he goes in for the clinch uh, while he has Uriah hurt, that gives Uriah an opportunity to rest and recover. But um, in the post-fight interview, Strickland says that he decided to go for the takedown or um, the clinch because he respected Uriah's power and speed, and he chose to be a quote-unquote wussy is what he said but i think that's the smart thing for him to do and he ultimately made the right decision um uriah hall is definitely no bum when it comes to striking and even in the later rounds and even when he's hurt he's able to um just turn it on and throw in a very good accurate clean well executed strike you see that with the sort of spinning back kicks that he throws, the spinning wheel kicks, and all the spinning attacks that he does. His form is excellent, and his speed and his athleticism are top-notch. So you can never really count Uriah Hall out in a fight, but I believe that in Saturday night's fight, Uriah Hall just didn't show up, which is really sad because it was his birthday, I believe, on that fight, and so... Um, not only did he lose that fight, but he lost it in a very decisive manner. So that's honestly not, not a good thing for him, but it's great for Strickland. Uh, what else happened in that fight? So Strickland was dominating most of the fight. Hall did come out at the beginning of the fifth round very strong, but it was sort of a little, just too little too late. Uh, Strickland waits out that sort of last sprint, and then he proceeds to go in and control the rest of round five. So, Uriah Hall seemed a little bit off to me in that fight. Maybe it's because of the age. He's 37 years old and Strickland is 30 years old. That's a pretty big age difference when it comes to a sport like MMA where at 37 you are basically got half your foot out the door already. He does look to be in very good shape though, uh, Uriah Hall. And you have to wonder if maybe it was just that night that he didn't show up. Maybe it's a mental thing, uh, but very clearly his coaches were trying to get him excited and hyped up in between the rounds. Even they were saying uh, they were they were shouting his name at, uh, during the rounds, but they were also telling him that he has to knock this person out towards the later rounds because they just knew that he was losing the fight very badly. And so, where does this leave us? Well, 
Uh, I believe Sean Strickland will take Uriah's place either as number five or number eight. Uriah Hall will probably go down. And I believe Strickland might be getting very close to a title contention fight. If he's in the top ten, he's certainly in the top ten right now. And if he manages to defeat one or two other uh, top contenders in spectacular fashion, that'll put him right in line for a shot against the uh, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. So that'll be interesting. Listening to the post-fight interviews, another thought that I had was that Sean Strickland is a very entertaining character. He's very down-to-earth, and he's not afraid to um, offend anybody. He was talking about Uriah Hall before the fight, and he really uh, has that style of being authentic, which you could see because he showed a lot of respect to Uriah. Growing up, he saw uh, all of Uriah's highlight reel knockouts, which are fantastic. And even in defeating Uriah Hall, he was very gracious. Um, this is not to say, though, that he's not very crude at points. Uh, during the post-fight interview, he talked about porn a lot and how he had this addiction to it. And he encouraged everybody to jack off every day, at least once or twice a day. Uh, he's probably being facetious, but it just shows that, you know, he's um, kind of... I feel that he has... A little bit of that star stardom um, characteristic to him, similar to McGregor. Not as much as McGregor, obviously, but it's a very likable character that I'll definitely follow in the future. So I believe that's pretty much it for uh, the fights that I was going to analyze for this episode. Um, for the next episode, I'm thinking about analyzing the fight next week, and it'll be a pretty big card. Um, it'll feature the heavyweight bout between the top contenders Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. I believe Amanda Nunes will also be featured in that card. Um, she'll be defending her strawweight bout, or um, I believe that she'll be defending her strawweight belt against. Oh no, actually, it looks like that fight has been taken off the main card. Interesting. Um, instead, the co-main event is going to be Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. It's a very good fight as well. Jose Aldo is one of those characters who uh, also has half of his... Um, he's probably has one foot out the door. Aldo just probably wasn't the same after being defeated by McGregor. He did go on to win the championship again, but he's been champion for so long now. And it's just crazy thinking that he's still fighting, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah, so actually that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, if you guys enjoyed it, please give it a like and subscribe. And I will see you guys next week then. Goodbye.